Welcome to the Two Putt Podcast. Two Putt for Par. Iowa's number one golf podcast. Yeah, but three putt is Snakesville. One part golf. Basically, it comes down to the fact that golf is hard. And one part business. But if it makes money, it makes sense. Mixing business with pleasure, these guys know how to have fun. This is the Two Putt Podcast. That's what we do. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Two Putt Podcast. We're excited. We have live golf. We have more to talk about. We get to feature another tournament. We have a nice day. We've had great weather. We got the guys in here. Uh, Lee, you had a big weekend. Got a lot of a lot of golf in. How'd that go for you? Well, boys, I got to drop the old kids off at Grandma's house, and uh, yeah, I did. I got to play quite a bit of golf. I played uh, twelve holes at the Nasty Nine on Friday, and I've surprised i have to say this but there were a ton of people out there uh we had to jump around just to start um so we got through 12 and it just felt like there more people were coming so we called it good after that on saturday i i headed over to rice lake uh in lake mills and i played that course for the first time in a really long time and it's just a it's a fun course uh, a nice 18 hole course it's gettable i mean you can hit some good shots but there's also a lot of trouble that um you know, can make your round kind of, you know, go up and down a little bit. So it is an awesome course. If you have a chance, it's in great shape. It's just out in the middle of nowhere. It's just not in, it's not in Lake Mills, but it has a really cool drive up from, from the road to the, to the clubhouse. I was talking to Jason. Uh, he butt dialed me when I was out there and uh, I told him it's kind of like, you know, driving up Magnolia Lane without the Magnolias. Like it was just, it's a fun drive. Like you get to drive by the course and the range and, you know, you pull up to the the pro shop. And then on, uh, on Sunday I went up to my dad's and I played, I, I would guess the, the town is actually Winnebago, uh, at least the address of the golf course. My dad lives in Blue Earth, but I played that course Riverside. Uh, you know, I was a, a member of for a long time when I was a kid and, uh, a nice nine hole track. My dad had said a bunch of trees had got knocked down in the last couple of years, but honestly, I couldn't tell a difference from the, the course, but all three um, courses I was familiar with. So it was just nice to get a little bit of the old days back into to the golf game and see some courses that uh, I remember and had a lot of fun playing growing up. I saw where that Rice Lake has uh, bent grass greens. They made such a big deal of that at Colonial. Did you kind of feel like you were almost uh, down on tour playing Colonial at that uh, bent grass? Rice Lake's greens were fast, real fast. And and it was windy out there on Saturday. All weekend was windy. Um, but it was – if you weren't hitting putts the right speed at Rice Lake, you had some tough putts coming back. And if you were above the hole – uh, it was it was pretty difficult to make putts out there on Saturday. So um, it you know the greens were really nice. They were just lightning fast. I, that's all right. I'd rather put on fast greens than slow ones. So, sure. Staggy, did you get a chance to get out and play, or or you you did a little traveling, I guess, over the weekend? So you probably didn't get a chance to play. I'm hoping to get some golf in here coming up this week. Uh, this last weekend, did not get a chance, was out of town, spent a little bit of family time, went to the House on the Rock in Wisconsin. So I uh, spent a day there and kind of just got out of town for a little bit with the family. My wife had a little bit of vacation, and so uh, we utilized that. She'll be back to work uh, this week while I can hopefully get on the golf course this week. Perfect. It, uh, it'll be interesting to see what this weather does. We've had some really nice days in a row, so... Hopefully, uh, hopefully get you a chance to sneak out. A um, little bit hot down in Texas this past weekend, and we talked a little bit about it and have been uh, tweeting some stuff out. But uh, golf was back. We got the Charles Schwab Challenge. Um, had a lot of fun just being back and just getting a chance to watch these guys play. And, um, uh, you know, as we kind of go through and, and take a look at things, what, uh, let's start with you, Lee. What, what, what was – Let's let's go one. What was one of your biggest takeaways um, from our, our first live golf event? I think somebody will probably <clears throat> touch on another part of this takeaway as we go through it. But the difference in what guys look like uh, now than what they did before and where people's games are now as 
compared to where they were before. I mean, we've talked about DJ, you know, especially after watching the Skins game. Like, he just wasn't ready to play golf then. And I don't think you can get ready from that time we watched that to now. Um, but, you know, I, everyone talked about Bryson all weekend, and rightfully so. I mean, the guy is massive. But Gary Woodland did, like, the opposite. You know, he looks good. I mean, he looks like he is ready for – a long season like it wouldn't surprise me if he plays every single week he looks like he's in great shape so it's just interesting I mean we all look at ourselves after quarantine and what we look like um you know probably not very good but um Gary Woodland I mean you could tell he put some time in and I think he is going to be grinding for the year I think he's going to have a big year yeah, I think it's interesting that you look at the game of golf and one person adds 25, 30 pounds and another person takes away 25, 30 pounds and they both are doing it um, to improve their game and they both think they're right. Like that's what's crazy, you know, about the game of golf is, is it's, it, it, how do you know? Like there's just so many differences, but I agree. Uh, Gary Woodland, I'm a big fan of him. I actually just recently watched a documentary with that US Open win from last year and just a really neat story. He actually credits Kurt Heinrich um, for the reason on why he became a professional golfer um, because he played basketball in college and their first game was to go um, to play uh, at Allen Fieldhouse and against Heinrich and Collison. And he, uh, he quickly learned uh, trying to defend Heinrich that he was not going to play at the next level. And so he said, I, this isn't for me, but I want to be a professional athlete. So he, went ahead and hung up the basketball shoes and actually called KU and they still had a scholarship. And so he went and went to play golf at KU, um, which is just really cool. Obviously the Iowa connection with that, but just the story in general on how it's like, Hey, you know, this is, this isn't going to work. And he realized it early and um, has obviously made himself into quite the little golfer now. Yeah. Woodland was, he was pretty impressive throughout the entire tournament. Uh, you know, Sunday he had kind of a little bit of a, I guess a lackluster round that he had there and didn't hit the ball as well, but he led the field in strokes, gained tee to green uh, throughout the week and approached throughout the week. And so, I mean, he was hitting it well. And then on Sunday, he just kind of had, I guess, an off round for him. But I think my biggest takeaway from the tournament was just the amount of guys that were in contention and the young guys and how good the game is right now with all the guys that were in contention. I mean, I didn't have a chance to watch Sunday because I was driving, but I listened to it. Uh, on the radio, which not many people can get into listening to golf on the radio, but it was, for me, it was really good. The kids were sleeping and my wife was watching something on her phone. And uh, so I was listening to it, and, you know, throughout the entire course of the broadcast, you had different names that they were following that were all putting together a string of birdies here, or uh, just kind of moving up the, the leaderboard. I mean, Daniel Berger wasn't even a guy that was talked about pretty much throughout the entire tournament. And Daniel Berger now has the longest, a streak of rounds at par or better uh, on the PGA Tour. He's right around 30 rounds in a row uh, where he's finished at par or better. And so, I mean, his round, 65, 67, 67, 66, uh, pretty impressive for him to string those four rounds together. And then you have guys like the young guys, you know, Colin Morikawa uh, obviously had a chance to win it. Xander Shoffley had a chance to win it. Uh, you know, some other guys that, younger guys, Sung J.M., JT Poston, those guys all finished top 10. And then you have, you know, some of the regulars, Jordan Spieth. Uh, I think we see him back in the mix. Uh, we talked about it on the last pod that, you know, we're interested to see where he comes out of this thing. And obviously the course that he knows well and for him to play well uh, and then kind of fall through on the last day was good to see as well. And, you know, you talked about the, Lee talked about the different guys, you know, Bryson comes back and he's jacked out of his mind. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he continues moving forward uh, with that because, I mean, he overpowered that golf course in a lot of respect throughout the tournament, uh, but didn't put it great. And then he got a chance and got tied for the lead. And so it was, it was just, I think, the state of the game of golf with the amount of guys that were in contention and how exciting it was, even though there weren't fans there, is really, really good for the game. I think one of the uh, other takeaways, and you mentioned it, was just sort of having this being a loaded field. I mean, all the guys were in it. And I think that's the one – advantage the shortened schedule this year is we're going to have a loaded field about every weekend I mean that's one of the things outside of the majors um, with the PGA Tour that I don't like as much is that these guys kind of pick their weekends and they pick their schedules and it's very rarely do we have this loaded of a field 
um, you know, for a tournament like this. And so, you know, these guys want to get out, they want to play, they want to compete. And so um, just having all these guys sign up for all these tournaments uh, is going to just be so much fun. And like you said, it was, it was fun Sunday coming down the stretch. I, honestly, I thought Xander was primed and just gonna um, come down the last four or five, six holes and just kind of take over and run away with it. And obviously he didn't, he was scrambling and uh, to try to make and save pars and, and stay in there and still had a chance right down to the end. And then obviously that cup on 17 needs to, someone needs to go out and take a look at that and see what the deal was. Cause it was, it was not happy with a couple of those lip outs. It almost seems impossible for a ball, the screenshot or the, that you see there where the ball's halfway in the hole. And it almost seems impossible that that thing didn't go down. And you obviously feel for Xander and Morikawa, both guys that had some pretty nasty lip outs there. And, uh, but, you know, Daniel Berger was, was rock solid all week. And, uh, you know, I think a deserving winner as well. So one of the guys that uh, we kind of talked about or thought that would have an advantage going in uh, being close to home was Jordan Spieth. And, um, you know, we talked about his need to play well here to possibly get on that Ryder Cup team. And, and uh, for three days, it looked like he was, he was ready to go and ready to take a charge. But, uh, um, you know, on Sunday, he just – that just seems to be Jordan's feet. Like you just got to hold on. It's a roller coaster ride. I mean, he, he did lead the field in strokes gain putting. Um, and that's with a four putt and just, I mean, he was, he was making some bombs and then missing some close ones. And it's just the roller coaster that we're starting to get more, a little bit more used to with Jordan's feet. But Lee, what did you see or what did you think about Jordan's performance this week? Well, we talked that, you know, he had a pretty good chance to, you know, at least get in contention. And, you know, we talked about he, he could definitely be there at the end of the weekend. But that Sunday round, you know, I think it was tough for a lot of people. I mean, it wasn't like it was the first few days and whatever was different. I mean, we, we kind of talked via text about Rory, you know, just straight up being a human being on Sunday. You know, I mean, it, it happens to, to everybody. And plus, when you think about that layoff, I mean, to come and, and play four consecutive days of, of good golf, I mean, that's, that's got to be tough from, you know, a, a technique standpoint, but, you know, a conditioning thing too. When it's hot and, and you're back out there, you know, grinding, you can grind all you want over a, in a, of a break, but you don't get to mentally grind like that just in a practice round or going through whatever it is that you're doing to, to work on your game. So that, that mental part, you know, becomes a big thing, you know, when you're not used to going out grinding as golfers like to say for four straight days yeah conditions added to that obviously it was hot um like you said those guys and I think I mean you touched on uh DJ and honestly I think even Staggy's first pick with John Rahm too just not maybe quite having things ready to go and ready to be out there battling physically mentally uh in the heat and and I think even, you know, it did the wind picked up a little bit Sunday and things dried out a little bit for him. But uh, I think we saw some of that down the stretch where if those guys were in peak positions, um, you know, maybe JT does have the ability to put on a charge or Xander or, uh, you know, you name it going down the stretch or where maybe they are able to hold on. Um, but uh, what about you, Seggy? What else, what else did you see that you wanted to touch on? Well, I think that, uh, you know, you talked about speed. And when I was listening on Sunday, at one point early in his round, he was like through, I don't know if it was five holes or something like that. And uh, he hadn't maybe hit a fairway yet and had hit like one green and he was one under. Uh, and so I think that speed, if he can just get his ball striking back to, you know, being relatively consistent, I think you're going to see him play well. Because the thing with him is you get him on the green and every time he hits a putt, you think that thing's going in. I mean, it didn't matter. I mean, he, there were numerous 35 footers to 40 footers that he was either burning an edge or, or making. And so I think that that's a big thing uh, with him. And then we talked about it with our kind of sleeper long shot per se. I know he was only in the 40 to 50 to one range to win it, but Justin Rose coming back playing Taylor made clubs, you know, he's the first round leader there tied for the first round lead after shooting an opening round 63. Uh, and then kind of in the middle of his, his second and third rounds were just, he was there, but he didn't, uh, you know, he didn't put up great scores, but still was 69, 68, and then had a chance on 18 to, you know, left the putt right in the heart, a couple rolls short that 
would have given him a closing round 65 and a tie for the lead and would have got him into a playoff eventually. And so I think that one thing with Justin Rose is I think he could uh, have a really, really good year as well with him going back to those tailor-made clubs and having that familiarity. And if he can putt like he did uh, this week, he's going to be right there in contention for a lot of tournaments as well. I know our uh, podcast didn't get out before the tournament would have started with the betting uh, side of things, but I did get a couple calls and text message on that Wednesday before and just said, Hey, I want to bet on this, this golf tournament. Like who, who would you go with? And my only answer was Justin Rose. So that had to be pretty fun time for those guys to all weekend to kind of, you know, you have a chance at 50 to one. I mean, that's, that is what the value can give you if you pick it right in golf. And, and actually, Justin Rose was plus 220, I found out, to finish in the top 20. I mean, that was, that was pretty easy money for that, that better. So, um, yep, we're trying to line your pockets here on the, the two-putt podcast. The one thing with that betting, it's as we saw this weekend, it's so hard to win a golf tournament. And so from the betting side, like I would almost rather bet the top 10 just because it is just so hard to get over the, that hump and um, win, a, win a tournament as we saw this weekend. But uh, uh, with that, let's, uh, let's take a look at our results from our snake draft that we had. So uh, we won't spend a whole lot of time going over and reviewing all these. Uh, yeah, I think we should just go on to the next thing. <laughs> but uh, we have to at least – Least, least visit this as as we talked about or tweeted um, out to going into the weekend. We thought Jordan was going to be a runaway um, with his two picks because he had Rory and um, Brian Harmon ready to go, um, but those guys fizzled a little bit on the weekend. And so, yours truly, I ended up sneaking out the win with with JT's uh, top ten or tenth place T uh, ten finish um, at a one eighty one. Um, Jordan at 107, Jason at 65, and Lee's Brooks Kepka uh, rounding out the pack at 41,000. And so it uh, it was fun. It was fun to keep track. It's as we mentioned too. It's it's interesting when you uh, look at the the money that these guys earn and how quickly it falls off outside of the top five, um, and how if you can get in the top five, it makes it makes a huge difference. If we would have taken the bonus round third pick and Jason's Justin Rose, he would have wiped the field with his $366,000. So. Well, hopefully this week we can get a little bit more consistency out of us. Shout out to Jordan. He was the only guy to pick two players that made the cut. Uh, we, we, us three each picked uh, a guy that didn't. Claude had Webb Simpson who uh, <laughs> didn't really show up. We'll say that. Uh, Lee had Ricky, who also was mic'd up for the round, which is nice to see. You know, it's good to hear some little insight, but it sounds like, uh, you know, obviously he didn't play very well for that one. And then I, my first pick, the first overall pick of the, the snake jack, uh, Rombo lets me down. So, uh, and he was right there in the mix. I mean, he had a, he had a solid opening round and was there to be on the cut line or ahead and uh, didn't close out his second round very well. So uh, shout out to JD for, at least getting both picks through to make the cut and have a chance. But that Justin Thomas pick uh, ultimately is the winner for Claude. Well, and Jordan too, he had Phil and, you know, Phil was what three under uh, through the second round, I believe, or somewhere around there. Um, and so he was going to have a chance to have three guys, but obviously Phil didn't quite make the cut line. And um, I did, Tony, I did have Finau in my bonus pick. He at least made it through, but. Uh, didn't quite perform either so it was fun yeah it was it was fun to go through and we'll obviously we'll keep doing more of that we're going to talk a little bit uh, um, here coming up about uh, this weekend and just who we like maybe more on a on a win-lose scale on top 10 and then maybe as Lee mentioned try to find you that sleeper pick too to, oh I got you two of them to, to line your pockets with that one and uh, uh, get a little golf money if you can This two-putt podcast is brought to you by WB Realty, Central Iowa's best real estate brokerage. WB Realty, for all your real estate needs. All right, we're back. We, uh, we had a little conversation between the three of us over the weekend as I was kind of going through cleaning out my, my golf bag and doing some stuff around the house. And 
started finding a few unique and different golf balls. And so it got us kind of talking a little bit about what our favorite budget, so budget friendly golf balls are. Obviously we'll, uh, we'll take a pro V and, and play it and hit it and tailor made and Chrome soft. And you name, you name all the good ones. We'll play them too. Um, Lee will probably take a rock if you give it to him and, and play it. But, uh, what are your guys, uh, some of your favorite budget balls uh, that you like to play that maybe are a little, little under, undervalued? I think the, the one that I, and I don't, usually I only play them when I find them. Uh, but though, if they're in good condition, I'll just usually throw them in the bag. And if I, I'm playing poorly throughout a round, I'll pull one of those bad boys out and uh, peg it in the ground. So, but the one that I kind of have, have, have liked when I've started to, play a little bit with it is the Kirkland golf ball I know that that's uh sold specifically I think at Costco uh and it's something that you can find there and obviously for, for a pretty good value and you know I think it's kind of made after uh the tailor-made golf ball but uh the Kirkland seems to be one that I thought is you know has a good feel to it and something that I feel pretty comfortable playing when I do get it uh another one that I have have kind of liked and found and they also kind of specialize in a lot of different colors with the vice golf balls uh you'll see those you might find one of those out there in orange or yellow or green or whatever it is uh and that's another one that you know depends on who i'm playing with and what i'm what i'm doing but that thing might get thrown down there and played too yeah those kirkland ones um they're actually pretty nice they look hideous i mean the lettering they just look like a cheap golf ball but as you said I, there's something and the listeners might be able to fill us in a little bit more on this so there's something going on with the tailor-made patent or something with those balls because they do they actually have a, a very similar feel to to tailor-made so that's a good one um what about what about you lee you got uh you got a one that you'll you'll put in play if you have it in hand yeah you I mean you kind of mentioned it i really the least picky golf ball player there is like I'll just reach in my golf bag and pull one out and play it I mean that's just how I how I am now I do like good golf balls don't get me wrong but if I'm if I'm just playing I'm just gonna grab whatever but I did mention to you guys I really like um the Strixon cheap golf balls and the only reason I would ever play them is it seems to be the um fan favorite of the golf ball giveaways at um, different uh, best shots. So I've been pulling out, I've been playing this Pepsi Strixon the last uh, couple weeks. I've had three of those in there. Uh, it is definitely cheap because one time I hit it with the Pepsi logo facing my golf club and I had the Pepsi logo on my golf club um, when I got done hitting it. So uh, it's definitely on the cheap end, but it seems to keep finding its way back into my golf bag. So maybe it's just one of those unlosable golf balls. And those are definitely the best kind. Yeah, I think uh, we talked about too. The the precepts are one of those that um, are, are usually a pretty good ball, and like you said, often a, often a giveaway. And then I also think the noodle. I think the noodle oh, yeah. is another one that uh, long and uh, soft. And long and soft. And there's obviously some different levels on all these on all these golf balls, but the, those are the ones that uh, um, you know you can put into play and, and not feel bad about it or about the performance there you know like you mentioned there's really nothing maybe outside of uh, like what putting a top flight in play I mean do they even still make those top flight remember those XL 2000s do they make oh, those yeah. anymore? I don't know if they still make them but I still got a couple in my golf bag well and even Nike like you remember the mojos and some of those yeah. that they had those in my golf bag too I just saw it the other day when I was going through it now I'm sure you could still go and buy Nike, but they're not making any more golf balls, right? Because they they're done with all the equipment. But I know I've still seen them on the rack, so they must just have a surplus of them. I actually had a golf bet or a golf ball I found in there the other day that simply had a a tiger hawk on it. It didn't even have any lettering or anything else. So I don't know if that's like one you're supposed to play, or if I hit it, it will like blow up or what. But um, yeah, I mean, there's, if you're talking budget, just go hop in the woods. That is the greatest budget golf ball you can get because you might find a really good, really nice pro V in there. And it is free. That's the ultimate budget golf ball. I always love when I find the, the pro V, what is it? Pro V three ninety twos. I, you find one of those in the woods, those things are like an artifact out there. Or the ones that say refurbished on the side. Those are nice. You know, one of the things that's interesting, I remember growing up as a kid, like the staff titanium golf balls. And I remember like those being a big deal. Um, 
you know, and obviously there was a Wilson staff uh, is what it was. And uh, we talked about Gary Woodland and he clearly is his hat shows. He's a, he's a uh, Wilson player, um, but he plays Bridgestones. So he does, do they not make golf balls? It's like, a, that was one of the interesting things. I'm like, what, what? And so I don't know. He must hit Wilson irons or something, but uh, I know that he played a Bridgestone, but so that maybe they don't make those staff titaniums anymore. I found a Wilson staff at Riverside golf course this weekend. So, you know, so I do have one of those if anybody wants to play that. Those things were those and pinnacle. They still make pinnacle. That was usually the ball, the long drive contest. Yep. I've been finding a a nitro, get a nitro out there in the long drive contest. Mm -hmm. I've been finding a few of the bomb golf balls out there. I don't know if you've seen those around. I think those are sold at Walmart maybe. Like Not to be bomb, confused with the burrito. Correct. That's the burrito's much better than the bomb golf ball. But I mean, that's we're talking about a an exceptional meat and cheese burrito there. <laughs> you could have a case of bomb golf balls or a bomb burrito. Which one are you taking? Oh. What time? Uh, Twelve. Uh, let's go. Eleven forty-five p.m. Oh, uh, I'll take the burrito. Burrito for sure. Hey, so I got another question then here for you guys. I was thinking a little bit more about, and um, I want to pose this question to you guys. Would you rather play a shitty track three times a week or a nice course once a month? Now, one little other kicker that I want to add to this is if you choose the more rounds on the shitty track, that also means that you never get to play a nice track. So you can't go. So it isn't like, ah, yeah, I just want to play all the time, but you never get the opportunity to go play at a nice track. So are you playing once a month on a nice track or are you playing more often on a shitty track? Can I ask this question first? Is it the only golf that we get to play? Um, No, you can play other shitty tracks. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll probably, I'll I'll go shitty track because I get to play more. So I'm playing three times in a week. I'm taking shitty track all day. I mean, I like playing nice courses, but I would much rather just play. And that's, that's always tough. I mean, if I can find time to carve out three times a week, um, I'd love to, and I wouldn't care what course it is. So I'm going easy, shitty track three times a week. I had a feeling that based off of Lee's reputation for playing golf balls that he was going to roll with the shitty track. So uh, based off of kind of the way I've been playing this year, I'm, once a month is about par for the course for me of playing. Uh, but like Lee said, I want to play more golf. I'm going shitty track three times a week. Uh, that way I can, I can at least get out on the course multiple times a week and play more often. See, it's, the tough part for me is obviously I would love to be able to play more. And that's, that's always a goal. Um, the realistic uh scenario in that is that it is obviously very tough and so for me playing three times a week would be um would be difficult however i also really enjoy nice courses and just like the experience that comes with it um and so even getting let's say a 12 month season even getting out 12 times on really nice courses i would probably lean towards taking the whole experience and just making making an entire day and an entire experience of that one round, that one month. Whereas obviously, um, I mean, even growing up playing and playing as many holes and going around as many as few times as you can, like there's a lot of fun and I enjoy that. Uh, and I would not, I mean, if you, this is a tough, it's supposed to be a tough decision, but, um, uh, yeah, I enjoy that too. And if I could play more, um, I would definitely do that, but I, I, I like nice courses. And if, like I said, a little caveat is then that means I always get to play nice courses so I can go and play wherever. Um, I would probably lean, lean towards 12 nice courses a, a year. I think we'd probably need to specify a shitty course list and a good course list so that way I can see which courses fall into it. Uh, so that way I can make a more educated decision here. Uh, but I'm still leaning towards playing more times per week. How shitty can it be if it's golf, though? I mean, I get it. It's not Augusta National, but, I mean, I've only been to a couple of golf courses that, I mean, don't have any grass. You know, I mean, I mean, if they got some grass, I don't even care if the fairway and the rough and the green are all the same length. Like, give me the give me nine or 18 holes in the ground, and I'll go play it. 
Yeah, Seggy, you would not in this scenario. You would not be able to play golf in Waverly, so you'd have to you'd have to go somewhere where track is actually shitty. <laughs> Clarksville. There you go. Although I do like that course. Like that's it, it's a fun course. I've played it. It's nice. It's been a while since I've played it, but it was fun. We played it back in college, I think, once or twice. Yeah, you'd have fun. What's the one in uh, Waterloo uh, that we used to go and play? Well, there's uh, Gates Park and then Gates. there's Irv Warren, which Debo talked about when he was our guest. Yeah, don't, look, don't dog on Irv Warren. No way. Debo might listen. I, no I've way. never played that one, but we played Gates quite a few times in college too. And I mean, it was, definitely doesn't classify as a shitty track, but it was just a, a little bit rough around the edges i guess um yeah, i don't think there's such thing as a shitty track now that we've asked this question maybe not not as nice well the the problem is is in in, in iowa not really a problem the good thing is in iowa is where these nine hole tracks are um they're usually the kind of the pride and joy of the town and so they're well taken care of so it's like yeah, we don't have a quote-unquote shitty track and so but we could probably find somewhere things get a little rough and a little hairy there used to be um uh lee maybe did we go and play it there was that uh um nine hole little par three course at that uh apartment complex that i lived at in urbandale um uh, you remember when, when i first moved down here i feel like we went out and played it uh they had a nine hole they had a nine hole par three um as part of the apartment complex oh yeah i did play it. you're right i did yeah i played that yeah and yeah, so yeah, i forgot about that that's kind of a little bit more of what I've envisioned from a, a shitty track where it's like, I don't, they didn't actually use like a green mower. And What about uh, sand greens? Where do they fit into this? Isn't there one over by Big Schmitty's old stomping grounds? I'm pretty sure I played that with him one day. Yeah, I don't know. How does that work? I mean, sand just, greens. just like hit it on the green and then, I don't know. I mean, that's what we did. And then is there like a, you like roll it out to be able to putt or how I, does that work? I don't know if we putted, honestly. <laughs> I don't know if we even got to the green, to be completely honest with you. Well, there you go. You guys got to do that three times a week. So, um, Hey, everyone. Quick pause in the action to say thank you to you, our listeners. We do this because we love it, but we also really love hearing from you, and it motivates us to come up with fun segments. If there's anything that you want to hear more of, let us know. Reach out any way you can through any of our social media platforms or reach out to us individually. We'd love to hear from you. We love coming up with new topics and things that you guys want to hear. Um, if you're on Instagram, make sure that you follow us on there as we continue to post pictures of our golf life and courses in which that we travel to. With that, let's uh, jump back into the action. I asked the guys to give some picks on the RBC Heritage this weekend at Harbortown. Uh, the course really sets up very similar to last week. Uh, so I'm excited to see what happens. I think anyone has a chance. And with that, uh, let's get into the picks. I got two guys for you that I think have a pretty good chance to win. Um, one is uh, we talked about earlier uh, that was miserable this last week is Webb Simpson. I like him this week. And then I also like Hideki Matsuyama. I think his game fits uh, this course well. I mean, he's going to strike the ball well. Um, obviously, with him, it always comes down to can he make a putt. Um, but he's definitely going to put himself into position to make some birdies this week. So if I'm picking to win, uh, I do like those two, at least towards the top of um, the favorites, if you will. Yeah, if we're looking at guys that obviously have the best odds to win and guys that you think are going to be towards the top of the leaderboard, uh, I'm, I'm going with two guys that I have in mind. Uh, Bryson, I think, is going to be a guy that's going to be in contention there to win. I just think that, you know, with his added length and with uh, how far he hits it now, he takes some other things out of play, but also brings in some uh, other trouble into play. But I think Bryson's going to be there. And then I also like Sung J.I.M. to be there at the leaderboard. I, I think he's just a guy that's been so consistent. He's at the top of the FedEx Cup points. I know that that's a little bit skewed now because of the season, but I think Sungjae is going to be there in the end and have a chance to win it on Sunday. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a good pick too. I uh, I'm obviously still riding with JT as he's obviously one of the favorites going into this weekend too. I think that uh, um, you know obviously just the way that he's playing right now, um, if he can just hold it together here and play a little bit better for four rounds. He's obviously got the game. 
Um, and then, you know, we talked actually quite a bit on this episode about Gary Woodland. I think just where he's at with his ball striking and his game right now too. Um, you know, I, I like him as an opportunity to be up there in that top five, top 10. Um, and again, Justin Rose, I know we talked about him too, but, uh, he's just so consistent, um, that, uh, there, there, it'd be hard, uh, hard not to pick him if you're trying to, trying to get a top five, top 10 finish, um, this weekend and, and the way in which that, uh, that course lays out for those guys. But, uh, as we're starting to look at trying to, trying to maybe a little bit of a sleeper pick or find, find some money out there. I know Lee, you've teased us a little bit. You got a couple of names. What, uh, what are you thinking um, to get some listeners some money this weekend? You know, we talked a little bit about the Justin Rose thing last week and Jason and I both mentioned him. I mean, we, we gave you a chance to win some money. Um, the two I like this week, uh, number one, I like Terrell Hatton and he is a ball striker and he has, um, an ability to get hot. And um, again, I think this is more of a, a ball strikers golf course where that's going to be, um, you know, maybe a little bit more important than just hitting bombs. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I agree with Jason. If you do have some guy that can put it in play, I mean, it gives you a different shot. But the other one I like is Brandon Grace. And he was really good this last week. He struggled on, on Sunday. But another guy that I think, um, you know, if you're just talking about how they're trending, I, I would say he probably left uh, Colonial feeling pretty good about his game. And there's, you know, those two guys that are on the, the 50 to 1 uh, line, somewhere around there, you know, there's a, there's a little money to be made with those two boys, I think. Yeah, looking at out there, uh, I, I was just kind of – trying to see what those odds were at it, you know, depending on the site, obviously everything's a little bit different or, you know, where you're looking at, but Hatton in the 40 to 50 range and you got grace anywhere, 50, 55 to one. I, I kind of, when I looked at my sleeper picks, I've kind of gone through some different tiers here with it. Uh, one guy that I like in that similar range to Hatton, I like Kucher at about 40 to one. Uh, a guy that's going to good at this course. Play. He's had really, really good track record at uh, Harbor town. So I think he's a guy that with 40 to one is pretty good value there. Uh, then I fall down a little bit further to the 70 to one range. I'm looking at a guy I picked last week, Victor Hovland. That's a guy that is going to break through, I think sooner than later with his first win on tour. Uh, and so 70 to one there. And then a couple of flyers, if I'm looking further down the list, anything, you know, 80 below 70 below a lot of times can be a little bit of a flyer pick for you. I, I'm not picking him, but like, a side note, Jason Day is 90 to 1, which you've never seen Jason Day at 90 to 1 to win a PGA Tour event. But two guys that I like in those kind of flyer picks, uh, guy that's been mentioned on our pod before, guy who played well last week at Colonial, uh, Joel Damon, 90 to 1, a guy that is going to, you know, he's going to keep it in play. He's going to make some birdies. He's going to hopefully uh, string together quite a few pars as well in there. And a guy that I think will be up there. And then if you go further down the list, I, uh, guy that won on the corn Ferry tour last week because he didn't qualify at colonial because a lot of the top players were playing luke list 125 to one uh is a guy i think that would be a flyer pick at 125 to one but those are kind of the four names that i had in mind when we're talking about just looking for value or a sleeper pick and uh somebody that you think might be in contention come sunday I think I'd add uh, Kevin Na to that uh, uh, flyer pick too at a hundred hundred to one. Um, big bounce back after a horrible weekend uh, this past weekend. Like, uh, why can I even remember where they played this weekend? Colonial. Jeez. The Chucky, the Chucky Schwab. The Chucky Schwab. Um, I, you know, and, and my boy too, Tony Finau at 50 to one. Um, he's got to play, he's got to play better. Obviously his ball striking, um, always, always in contention. And then Iowa, Iowa native, uh, to, to at least make the, make the top 20, uh, Zach Johnson at 150 to one, um, didn't play terrible this past weekend. So I'll throw him out there, but I do have a question for you guys, as far as making the cut, uh, four guys, who's your pick? has a better chance of making the cut ernie else bernard longer dj singh or d3 davis love the third of those four guys who who's got the best chance to make the cut 
I'm going with DL3. That's 750 to one. Okay. Like to win? No, no, just to make the cut. That's his odds on winning. But what's uh, what oh. do you think to make the cut? I like I like Bernard Longer. That dude, all he does is just make a bunch of pars. If he can string a couple birdies in there, he'll he'll make the weekend. That's a that's a stone cold lock right there. He's playing <laughs> on the weekend. Bernard's probably, he's probably the one that's been playing the best on that Champions Tour, and so uh, that's really he's like way better than everybody. <laughs> He uh, odds to win. Ernie it does have the best at four hundred to one between all those guys. Um, but uh, no, it's just it's just interesting. It just goes back to we we talked about to begin with with a with a loaded field and just scrolling through some of the names and some of the guys that are playing just because these guys are just so ready uh, and and want to play golf and so uh, no, it'll be good. I'll be I'll be excited uh, to see what happens this weekend. See how the guys play. Obviously, we talked about some of the favorites. Um, at least what I have in front of me: uh, Rory at eleven to one, uh, JT sixteen to one, Bryson sixteen to one, Rom at eighteen to one, and Xander at twenty two to one. Um, are, are are the heavy favorites going in based off of CBS lines here? But uh, as as we know and as we saw uh, last weekend, it, that that doesn't always mean everything, and I uh, got to get out there and see where these guys' games are at, and see what they learned from last weekend. All right, it is now time for our probably our favorite segment, or at least one of our favorite segments uh, on each episode, and that is whose career. Uh, last week I was definitely on the losing side. It looked like it's like seventy. 70 to 30, I lost on the old Chris DeMarco um, versus, I don't know who he was up against. It doesn't matter. Who was he up against? Yeah, I don't even remember. I just know he was a not even. Oh, Snedeker. Snedeker. Oh, yeah. Snedeker. Uh, He'd be another one this week. I think he was like 100 to 1. Pick him. Put five bucks on Sneds, boys. I was actually going back and looking. Um, at our who's career because I, you know i've getting to the point now where i kind of forgot um and i went back and actually tallied them up and was looking at all of them and we've actually had more in that 70 to 30 uh, uh split range than we've had i think the greg norman um is it greg norman ernie else i think that was our closest one yeah, that um, was the rest of them have pretty much tipped one way or the other and so i'm excited i'm excited for uh the one we have here today uh i'll go i'll go last as i always do and explain a little bit about how this came to fruition but um today the two guys that we're putting up against each other a couple legends here so we have tom kite with his 37 pro wins 19 on the pga tour on the one major uh against curtis strange who's got 29 pro wins 17 on the pga tour and two back-to-back u.s open majors um who's starting what do we got whose career are you taking i'll uh, i'll go ahead and kick things off here yes looking at these two you know every week we've done this uh the pro wins has been a little bit of a difference uh with these guys and so that number being you know a difference of only eight uh obviously not very not very big in my mind. Uh, and then you go to the PJ Tour and you got 19 for Kite, 17 for Strange. Uh, pretty close there. And then you go to the majors, one for Tom Kite, one or two for Curtis Strange. What what major was it that Tom Kite won? Do you guys know? Yeah, like a 92 U.S. Open or something like that. So, Kite, if it's the 92 U.S. Open, you mentioned Curtis Strange won back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it 88 and 89 that he won the Correct. U.S. Open? Yep. Uh, so when I'm looking at this breakdown, I'm, I'm throwing out basically the pro wins. PJ Tour wins are essentially even for me. Uh, I've always just followed Curtis Strange a little bit closer, and he's got another major win. He's got two under his belt. Uh, so when I'm looking at this matchup, uh, obviously not two guys that we know as much about because their prime wasn't while we were watching golf as much. Uh, I'm going to lean towards going Curtis Strange in this regard with the, the advantage being – two major titles to one major title for Tom Kite. So Curtis Strange from, from this side of the ballot here. Brian, I, I'm already going to tell everyone, I know you're picking Tom Kite because if you put a visor on, you'd look like Tom Kite. Like you just would. I, you got like the same hair color. You got those glasses on. You are 
Tom Kites. I already know you're going him. Um, this one's tough because, honestly, if you look at pretty much every part of their career, it is really similar. You know, I mean, they – you know, five Ryder Cups and seven Ryder Cups. They were each a captain. Uh, they each led the PGA Tour in earnings. They – um each were pga tour player of the year i mean they have a lot of similarities um the major thing is is a difference um and they both have really terrible middle names um tom's middle name is oliver curtis's middle name is northrup um so i know brian brought up if he would have known that bubba's real name was uh jerry remember that a few well that was a long time ago now uh, you would have used that against him. Like, so you can't use the name against these guys. Um, I'm just going to go straight up majors in this one. And I'm going Curtis Northrup strange for the win. All right. Two for Curtis. So when I was going through and um, trying to get these guys or get a couple names ready for the episode today, um, I was going Curtis strange and was trying to figure out someone to put them up against uh, because I recently watched the documentary with Brooks Kepka and his back-to-back U.S. Opens, and obviously talking about uh, the first time doing that since Curtis Strange and uh, Curtis obviously was part of the part of the documentary and talking a little bit about his experience. And so I was doing this with the complete um, idea that I was going to go Curtis Strange. Um, so I put Tom Kite up against him. You know, similar in uh, wins. Uh, obviously the biggest, as you guys mentioned, is the majors, the difference between the majors. And so as I was then doing a little bit of research, again, I was under full understanding that I was going to pick Curtis Strange, but then I started looking into Tom Kite's career a little bit more. And I, there was no way that I could pick against this guy. Um, as I look at this, he's got, um, all the things that you guys mentioned as far as wins in the majors, but he scored, he has 17, he has scored 17 points in the Ryder cup. Um, which is just crazy. I think Strange's was six or eight, something like that. So he's doubled him in Ryder Cup points. Um, and the big one, obviously, too, that I always look at is their net worth. And um, Tom Kite, because of what he's done on the Champions Tour, actually, is it, just blowing him out of the water with a, a $22.8 million net worth to Curtis's $8 million. Um, and so you have that, and which then also kind of led me down a little bit of a rabbit hole that I was actually looking at Tom Kite's earnings in that 92, the year that he won the Open, um, his earnings were $979,000 um, winning the, the 92 Open. Uh, in 2004, on the Champions Tour, he made $1.8 million. So he's, it's, it just tells you the payout, and we've talked about the purses at, at these tournaments now, and which also includes, so 06, 07, 08, Tom Kite made over $1.2 million three years in a row on the Champions Tour. So it's crazy that you can go and be, I think he was the golf, uh, player of the year in 92. It was either 91 or 92, um, win the U.S. Open. And, and now be making more money on the champions tour, which is just, which is just crazy. So, like I said, I was going into this, I was trying to, trying to get pick Curtis, but after I, I dove into some of the wins in the Ryder cup, uh, and his record there, um, I gotta go, I gotta, gotta separate you guys and go Tom kite, um, for my career that I would take. Hey Brian, would it change your opinion if I told you, that Curtis Strange was college teammates with our golf mentor, Jay Haas. No. Jay no. Haas, he made us the putters that we are today. I, I know. And I, if we had the Haas name, which is another thing, too, I was looking at some of the Ryder Cup stuff. I think every Haas ever has played in the Ryder Cup, which is uh, apparently is, it's something in the name. D.I. The thing here with Tom Kite, I'm just doing a little bit more research as you were talking, and he has 11 finishes at the Masters where he was T6 or better. So he was real close to the Masters a lot of times, uh, but never was able to break through them. So he was really close to getting that second major, but two majors to one, I, I, I got to stick with Strange. Got to stay there. Got to stay there. Can somebody please Photoshop 
Brian's head on Tom Kite's body for me, just so I can just see what it would look like. You know, I think, I think, uh, I have to, my dad might have a little cutout. I, was it Tom? It might've been Tom Kite. I can't remember who it was. I, I remember, like I said, that's obviously a little bit more, um, of our, my dad's era anyway of watching golf. And so I, you know, I know him or I've, that name's been in the household for a long time. And, obviously a fun player to to watch uh, when he comes here for the principal charity classic um, as well but uh, yeah like I said I was I wanted the back-to-back -back US Opens but once I started putting the numbers up against it I I got it I got a tip towards Tom Kite obviously both still a big part of the game with Curtis being on the television um, coverage and, and doing some of that so it'll be interesting too with our, with our listeners to see where they fall because two names that people know, but maybe don't know um, all the research on. So I would, I would suggest dive into it, jump on that Wikipedia machine a little bit before you cast your vote and, and make a decision on whose career you'd take. Yeah. I can't believe that. Honestly. Um, what's his name? Chris DeMarco got as many votes as he did last week. Like there obviously was no research done. Those people are like, Oh, that I like that name or something. I, I have no idea. That was disappointing. I think I was on record at the end of last week's episode saying that it was going to be a worse beat down than the week before. And it ended up not being, I don't think. Brian opened up seven Twitter accounts to make this thing as even as he could. Get the burner accounts going. I, maybe it was the tag of DeMarco that I had on Twitter. Maybe he had some friends that jumped on and helped. Who do you think Chris DeMarco would pick? Honestly, I asked him. He never answered. Um, I bet he would take Sned's career. No way. He's, he's, DeMarco's trying to make a little run now on the Champions Tour. He's got back. His back feels better. He, you never know. He's not done yet. I was really hoping he would answer back, though. Like Either, either answer would have been fascinating to me. Um, but I was just curious, you know, if you put those together, what do other guys think? Like, would they choose somebody else's career over their own? I mean, certainly if you got way up the list, they definitely would. Would you rather take, you know, DeMarco's or Tiger's career? Obviously they, you know, you're picking that, but you know, when it's that close, you know, what would it be like? Yeah, no, I agree. And I think maybe that, that doorbell is, uh, is the key that uh, this episode is, is time to get wrapped up and, uh, Hopefully we gave you guys a little bit of knowledge here as far as what to look forward to and what to be excited about with these guys moving um, forward with the season. We'll be watching. We hope you guys are watching. Um, you know, as you guys get a chance to get out and play, definitely hit us up, tag us in some pictures. Um, we want to see what you guys are doing, what you're shooting and how things are going. Uh, we appreciate you listening. Continue to listen, continue to review, continue to tell a friend. Um, this is a two-putt pod and we'll catch you on the next tee. Mm -hmm.